Hello, I'm Phil Svitek, 360 Creative Coach, and welcome to my vlog, where it's both my mission and my pleasure to highlight my creative journey in hopes of inspiring you, giving you specific takeaway. All that way, your journey can be at least a little bit easier. Now, it's been a while since I really dove into things and, and provide an update, and I plan to kind of go over all the various things, you know, Life has been full of its ups and downs in various ways. And, you know, uh, it just was easier to do shorter lessons than, you know, sit down and really kind of talk about everything that's kind of been going on. But um, I will provide you um, with everything. So let's start with the creative stuff, right? You know, uh, it, it's just been a busy, busy time uh Last weekend, there was the Ultra Music Festival down in Miami, which is a big, big EDM concert type of thing. And, you know, the Grammys went and covered it. And I stayed behind it here in Los Angeles to, you know, edit the various interviews and create like a recap package for all of it. And so that was like an all weekend thing. Now, of course... Uh, for me, you know, as is the case with various people that I know, it's like that's job one of several, right? Um, so now, like that in and of itself is quite an undertaking, you know, I mean, all in, you know, it was from like Friday um, all the way to Monday in terms of, you know, my involvement and in, in creating stuff. The majority fell of it on, fell of it on, uh, you know, Saturday and Sunday. However, all the same, you know, uh, collectively ended up being 30 videos. Now, yes, as far as I'm counting the videos, you know, because people ask me that that know the work, um, it's not 30 different necessarily edits. It's, um, you know, 15, but you have to create a horizontal version and then a vertical version, which doesn't seem that difficult, but you know, it still adds time because how things are framed in a horizontal version of an edit, which is what I, you know, people ask me all the time how I kind of, um, you know, do this stuff, right? Uh, it, you know, the ones that are like editors themselves and the nitty gritty. I remember my friend Jonathan Moulton, you know, he asked me how I, you know, my approach to it because, you know, people have different approaches. Um, sometimes like for my own stuff that I put out, right, like I'm doing right now, if it's short enough to post as a TikTok or uh, Instagram reel, I may do that, but I do that as a vertical video where for me, what I'll do is I'll take the horizontal video and just let it live in the center of the frame of the now vertical frame. And then what I'll do is I'll make another layer underneath it of that same video, expand it out uh, so that way it covers the whole vertical aspect ratio. And then... I add a blur to it, desaturate it, so it's, you know, it's kind of got that um, entertainment news style feel. Sometimes they, you know, video that used to be vertical, like when it ends up on celebrity news shows or just news shows in general, they'll kind of do the reverse of that so that way it fills out the sides of the horizontal screen, right? And that's my approach generally for the stuff that I do. Um, and sometimes I apply that technique for for edits for others um, when it makes sense. Sometimes, you know, I have to like reframe everything and, and just have the thing blow up entirely in that vertical frame. So it adds work, all that to say, right? So that's why I count, even though it's like 15 individual edits, um, you still have to reframe, you know, those videos into vertical and spend time <coughs> making sure that that it looks good as opposed to like, you know, just applying one sort of filter or something like that. Anyway, I know that got into the nitty gritty of it all, but uh, I figured some of you might be curious to know that because certainly uh, even this weekend, um, uh, someone I know, you know, they were making stuff for TikTok and so forth and they were asking me how to repurpose old horizontal videos, right? So, um, so I was able to help them out and... Uh, that's exactly the explanation I gave them. Anyway, the other aspect of everything is, um, you know, as far as 
you know, side stuff. I'm, I'm working with a new client that we're going to have a long-term relationship with. And, you know, part of it was onboarding them. So like with anything really, and I'll talk about this longer um, later when I talk about kind of uh, my finances and stuff like that and really cleaning up things with that. But really it's, it's about organization, right? The organization in most things is going to be the first step and it's going to be the longest step. But if you can, you know, get yourself organized in this case, you know, with the new client, it was all about, okay, you know, what are their expectations of the workflow and, you know, what, what assets do they already have? What are they missing? Okay. And how are we going to work together and what's the expectations on both parties end? Yada, yada, yada. Right. And so that doesn't seem to, you know, move things forward in terms of like, oh, wait, you know, can I hear an edit or can I see this or whatever the case may be? Like, but all the same, you know, by, by solidifying that stuff, it makes everything smoother moving forward, but it is time consuming. And, and so, you know, a lot of time went into that in particularly. So, you know, just, just kind of getting that off to its start. And also part, part of it for me was I wanted to make sure before I took on everything with this, because it is an ongoing thing that I had contingencies in place. Should there be weeks that, that I couldn't do it, you know, or, you know, whatever the case may be. Right. And so, you know, luckily it worked out. In fact, even this first week that, you know, I, like I have someone on board that's going to essentially be like a partner in all of this with me, you know, instead of me just working on the show individually, I'm essentially going to split it with, with someone I know. And so that way, you know, he, they're taking on half the workload. I'm taking on half the workload. And there's times that he's going to be busy. Then I'll take on that share um, and vice versa. Right. So that way, and as long as there's good communication on front, then, then it's easy. And that's again, part of what I wanted to make sure was set up correctly. So that way, you know, that, that was accounted for. Right. And now it is. And so all things considered, it should be fairly smooth sailing moving forward. So yeah, I'm excited to, to have that be the case and excited to be moving forward in this way. It's, uh, it's going to be exciting. Um, this Monday, you know, a second episode comes out that, you know, my friend and I have worked on. So it's, uh, we're already kind of hitting that stride, so to speak. Um, and the interesting part about this one in particular, too, part of like, you know, caught a, caught, it caught us off guard because, you know, we weren't, we were talking about initially getting started in May. And then all of a sudden they were like, actually, we, we, um, can we, can we start, uh, next week? <laughs> and I was like, whoa, okay, this is, uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess that's doable. Like if, if that's what it has to be. We, we'll figure it out. And so, you know, while, while thrown into a loop, we did make it work. And so, um, yeah, uh, onward and upward in terms of that. Um, this past Friday, I finished up the first act of my script for The Arbiters. So if you're unfamiliar, The Arbiters is the latest movie project that I'm working on. Uh, it is my, you know, it is my third movie that I'm attempting to make. It's aimed as an animated film in the style of, you know, the old Studio Ghibli movies, you know, Princess Mononoke, Spirited Away, or even like the old school great movies like Akira, um, and so forth, right? So I, I, I love that that style and I feel it fits really nicely with the story that I'm trying to tell. And the Arbiters is planned as, as a trilogy. You know, I want it to be a trilogy, no different than Lord of the Rings, the Matrix, the original Star Wars and so forth. Um, I, I think it, you know, the scale and scope of what I want to show and say, 
dictates that. Now, you know, that's that's kind of been the difficult part in all of this. You know, I've, I've been working on the outline for this. You can call it a treatment if you want. Um, I mean, it's, you know, the latest outline of it is like literally 20 pages long, essentially. But the hard part has been to create a satisfying ending because you wanted to... It's one of those things I know that there's going to be you know, aspects of it that are going to be open-ended, but you still want it to be satisfying enough as a movie. So it's not... Like, in the ideal world, it would stand alone like The Matrix, yet allow for more things to come after it. Um, but I think... I, I don't know. It hasn't quite been that way yet. Um, and it's interesting, you know, watching The Lord of the Rings behind-the-scenes features... Elijah Wood talks about it where some, some people, when they saw the original Fellowship of the Ring, they were like, wait, what kind of an ending was that? And he was like, well, don't worry. Like, it continues. It goes on. And I kind of have that gut feeling, you know, with, with the people that I work with. I'm like, well, it, it's going to go on. And they're like, we know that. We know that, obviously. But, you know, it's a, it's a big risk, you know, because certainly, at least with, like, Thor of the Rings, when the Peter Jackson movies got made, that was a known property, right, at that point. It's obviously based off of very, very successful books. Mine is a completely new thing, not based off of anything. Uh, so, you know, you, so it's that kind of finessing. But all the same, you know, the, the version of the outline that currently exists, you know, I, I spoke with John Comerford and he was like, you know what, like at this point, it's, we, we need to start to get closer to understanding the characters you need to start hearing their voices in your head and so forth and the only way to do that is to start writing like so the 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 outline itself is we know it's not perfect but it's it there's enough there to then explore in the writing of the script and fix those changes you know and i agreed with him and so this past friday as i was mentioning i finished up the the first act of the arbiters so right now it's about literally uh, 30 pages, which is actually pretty good, you know. Um, so assuming that the movie's roughly two hours, you know, you want your act one break to come in around, thir- you know, 30 minutes in. And, and when you write a script, 30 pages, you know, each page equals about a minute of screen time. So, you know, that's that's pretty good. Usually when you write a first draft, it, it becomes overly written and so forth. And I'm sure, I'm sure there's parts of it that are overly written. And I'm also sure that there's parts of it that are underwritten, you know, but I'm not going like with this one, I'm not going for perfection at all. It's, it's just like, let's, let's finesse the outline and start to see what's actually happening beat by beat, you know, line of dialogue by line of dialogue, line of action by line of action, and so forth. So that way we can, you know, address the issues that exist because now we have the context and the specificity. And so that's been fun, you know, to kind of continue that. And, you know, I'm going to meet with John um, to to go over that and, and kind of see what's what, um, what's working, what, what can be finessed, you know, and he'll, you know, the way we've worked in the past, he'll take a stab at, you know, the revision and I'll kind of overall continue moving forward. So my goal is to, there's about um, 60 scenes, uh, you know, as outlined in the, in the out, <laughs> I was in trouble from, from the moment I opened up my mouth with that sense. Um, you know, there, there's, 60 scenes outlined in the outline, right? And so act one happens at around, you know, scene 18. And my goal is to, you know, this coming week, write 19 through 25, which might not sound like a lot, but these are, these are very pivotal scenes. Um, These, you know, there's something that happened that's not quite a cliffhanger, but I mean, it's a little bit cliffhanger. It's like a shocker. It's like, wait, what's going on here? Um, and so now, you know, multiple parties are kind of coming together and we're kind of starting now 
getting an exploration of, okay, what, you know, what is this? We're going to start to answer some questions, right? No different than, you know, when Neo in the Matrix, you know, he enters the real world, he finds himself in that pod, then he's dumped into the sewer, and then they, you know, pick him out, and then he starts to get the answers of what is the Matrix, right? So it's kind of that aspect of it, and those those types of scenes are the ones that uh, I'm, I'm going to be working on in this coming week, you know, that that is the goal. So that's exciting to write, you know, still... We'll see, you know, May 25th is the Austin Film Festival deadline. And it would be great to get to submit a script to to them, you know, as part of their screenwriting competition. Now, I'm pretty sure I can have a script written by that deadline, how viable it is in terms of <laughs> readability and, you know, is it any good? That remains to be another question. So if, if, if in and of itself, you know, I don't feel like it's there, then I won't submit. But as of now, that is sort of my guiding light to try to move myself forward in, in all of this. And um, so that's kind of where I'm at. And uh, I'm excited to, to hear what John thinks of these first pages. Uh, obviously, I know, you know, his thoughts on the outline. But now we'll see how his vision of, you know, what he thought was in the outline changes now that there's the the context of everything and and you know even in through this process there's been a couple of aspects that I've changed as I've dug into it right so you know certain things will I'm sure be surprises hopefully it's because it's elevated right versus like okay wow this doesn't really work you know I see where you're going for here but no 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 right so we'll see we'll see all that and through this whole thing you know, I'm continuing to work with the animators to create the character designs. You know, I just got, uh, you know, some some round of characters drawn recently and, you know, went through a set of notes on both of them. One is now approved um, or approved. When I say approved in this sense, it's like, you know what, this is this is like this is a good representation. This is like close enough. And, you know. Once the script is fully written, then we'll revisit this character and see, you know, now that we have the full scope of how things fit, we can address it. And and, and, and the animators themselves will be able to better see. Because right now, I mean, they're kind of just working off of my initial notes when I did the character bios and so forth, which even through the outline, each character has been affected and therefore you know as they give me stuff i'm being like oh okay you know i see why you did this that's um that note longer applies because we've updated it in terms of the story and so in fact here's what we're going for so they're having to kind of you know make the changes and you know kind of react as best as i can you know off of like a constantly evolving thing um, which is which is normal you know so I'm, I'm excited for that. And, you know, overall, there's like nine main characters in in this. Um, so far, we've got four, quote unquote, locked in. And then, you know, working on the other five. And then there's, you know, there's some uh, creature design that we have to make. Because they're not, even though they're not the main characters, um, they themselves are... Uh, Part of all of it so um yeah it's it's exciting to kind of continue to see this come to fruition you know and uh you know one sort of builds on the other that's that's the beautiful thing you know the outline this the script and their designs that they come in you know the, the the designs help me visualize the characters which helps me with the story which then helps with the designs and as you know new characters get created it's like oh okay you know because this character and this character interact so heavily um, and maybe they're in opposition. It'd be great if this character had, you know, um, this sort of design, which then juxtaposes this design or whatever else, right? Like that's the overall goal. And, you know, once we have more of this in place, right, we'll be able to, you know, bring that to its to its full capacity. Um, and that's that's the beautiful aspect of this. 
um, you know, throughout throughout the whole process. And that's why, you know, I said, we're not gonna spend as much time worrying about locking everything in 100% because of course it's gonna change. Like we're so early on, we're like literally in the development process. We don't really not have a draft one of the script, you know, and, and for me, like, when I say draft one, it's like just purely like, just get the ideas onto the page. Uh, and then I like to do a, a polish or two of it. And then that becomes like, okay, here's like the official first draft, right? Um, because, you know, that like just putting words onto the page initially for me, it's not that it's not coherent, but it very much is like, as I said, just, just navigating your way through it all and, and seeing it, right? And certainly, you know, a first draft, that's what it's kind of designed. Like first drafts will inevitably go through many, many changes, but all the same, you know, at least, at least there's a somewhat of a flow to them, one would hope, you know. So we'll see. We'll see how it all kind of ends up being. Um, the exciting part as well with all of this is that, you know, this whole project, not only is a film project, but I want to do it within the Web3 space. So I want to have an NFT component to it. And it's something that I've been working on with my friend AJ Jolibet. And, you know, recently I had sent him a proof of concept that I made for uh, this, this thing called In Search of Sunrise, which was in initially intended as a, as a movie, as a sci-fi movie. But um, given the ambition and scope, um, you know, I thought it would make, a, it would be easier at this stage of my life to turn it into to uh, to uh, to a book, right? And so that is what I'm doing at the moment. But anyway, and I'll talk about that uh, shortly. But all the same, the, the proof of concept itself, right? You know, it's about uh, four minutes. And so you know, we've listened to various podcasts about filmmakers utilizing NFTs, and you know, some of them primarily take like frames and mint those as the images that become collectibles, right? And so, you know, AJ was like, okay, well, send me that and let me just go through the process and, you know, um, we'll, we'll see how it kind of turns out. Now, we haven't launched this yet. You know, he just wanted to go through the process of creating, you know, getting these stills. And then he's like, okay, cool. You know, I'm, I'm able to understand the process now. So give me... Um, you know, let's let's pick a few images and let's like go through the minting process and, and you know take that step forward. So that's kind of where we're at. Um, I sent him back some some frames that I thought were, you know, ones that like you know one would want to blow up and frame, right? Like that's the idea, um, you know. And so we're going through that process, and it's fun to continue to you know learn more and more about this space you know this space is ever evolving which is something that i'll talk about as well in, in in this episode but just in terms of the arbiters itself that's kind of where we're at in the process right now speaking of scripts and, and developing projects. So my friend Jeff Graham, who is the director of Always Lola, you know, he's a fellow filmmaker. <laughs> this guy, uh, you know, cranked out uh, already a first draft of, of a new project, right? And that's very exciting. Now, you know, the, the, the project doesn't involve as much lore building necessarily, um, as, as what I've been trying to do, but all the same, you know, uh, kudos to him, um, you know, for, for getting that out. That's amazing. And I, what's fun is, you know, I had a chance to read it, right? He sent it to me for feedback. No different than, you know, he's, he's really excited to read my first draft as well of the Arbiters. You know, he, he's one that, that doesn't love to read outlines because um, he does better when he can actually read the script. So I'm excited to finally be able to get him a script whenever that may be. Regardless, the point being, you know, I had a chance to read this, this script and 
and it was fun, you know. Um, and I think, you know, I think there's a lot of things that he did well. Um, but like all things, you know, it goes back to even just when I was doing my outline, like you recognize whatever notes you give, it's because you're excited for the potential of it, right? Like that's the notes I was receiving from people and they were giving it to me because what I wanted wasn't hitting in the in the way as was intended. And so, you know, for me with Jeff, you know, I, I read this thing and really enjoyed it. And the notes that I was able to give him, I was like, I, I see where you're going. You know, I, part of how I give notes is I also ask a lot of questions. And, you know, so I, I can get to understand of like, what are you going for here, right? And how can I help find a solution for that if that's not coming across clearly? And, you know, like with all first drafts, you know, this was what I was hinting at with mine. You know, there's there's things, there's threads that you intended, like, you, you know, first drafts tend to be overwritten. And so, you know, there's all these kind of subplots and, you know, little ideas that, you know, start here, blah, 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 that, you know, um, don't end up necessarily making it. But, you know, because of that, there's just like a tiny section of it that's hinted at. And it's like, well, you know, just take that out because that's not and focus on this. And yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm being sort of vague, obviously, about the script itself, simply because, you know, it's not mine to share. Um, but, but yeah, I just, if, if nothing else, I just enjoyed that sort of process of helping out a friend and yeah just reading other others work and seeing you know not having a first first hand like seat to the table of like seeing the movie get to get made so, um but you know just being part of the process all the same you know and from from my little vantage point so it's cool you know because the same thing always lola his movie i i you know i was there for the first table read and you know, I got to see some dailies, and then I got to see the first cut and the various revisions of the first edit and so forth. So it's it's really cool to, yeah, just, you know, be a part of that, really, right? Um, speaking of kind of just development and so forth, my friends Courtney Stewart and Danielle Lefevre, they are developing this TV series. And as part of all of all, you know, getting it out there, they need like a, essentially a trailer for what the show would be. And so a couple weeks ago, we actually, you know, went out and shot the necessarily footage. And it's interesting because when you work on a trailer, like you're supposed to write, like this isn't something that's already made and then you're just taking clips out of that and making the trailer, like you're having to go out and film these little snippets and make that trailer. Which is interesting because instead of shooting scenes, you're just literally shooting tiny, tiny moments. And we're talking about one to two seconds, three seconds max, you know? And so you gotta select a single shot or just two shots per like little setup. So that's a lot of setups, right? Because you don't want to just have them be in like, let's say a living room and get different shots. Like you want the world to feel expanded, especially since it's a TV show, not just the you know, movie. And so it's like, you want to show all the possibilities. And to show this possibilities, you need a lot of locations, uh, various people and so forth. Wardrobe changes, so it's a lot. And so in the course of two days, you know, we essentially shot <laughs> so many different setups and all of it. And, you know, each, each, one of, each one of the setups, you want it to be as awesome as it can be, right? Where you have the right production design, where you have the right people and they're placed everywhere and, you know, the lighting and the composition and all that. So it was quite the undertaking, especially this was, uh, you know, LA's, had unusual weather like it's just constantly rained since december pretty much and luckily you know it, it rained like the night before so the ground was wet at parts during our filming you know it was like misting so it wasn't quite rain but but it wasn't dry either 
And so, yeah, we, we had to sort of deal with that and yet found a way to make it work. And that's the exciting part about it is, is just kind of having it all come to fruition. Now they're in the editing phase, which, you know, um, is still early rounds and I want to be involved in um, just, you know, as I'm kind of highlighting here, it, it's, it's been a lot. I haven't had the time. And so, you know, they've kind of had to, you know, pick out the uh, the select shots and takes that they liked. And, you know, we'll kind of build from there. But, um, but yeah, you know, uh, that's progressing well for them. So I'm excited that we just got it done, right? I mean, that, that was a lot to to take in, you know, and, and, and do. But, yeah. We, we made it happen overall. So now let's see what it happens in the edit and go from there. Speaking of uh, movies and trailers and things of that, like that nature, um, you know, some exciting news. Uh, Bogota Trip, my second feature film, is playing another film festival. This is a virtual film festival. It's the Austin Liftoff Film Festival. So you can watch... You can watch a Bogota trip that way. I will provide a link down below. So essentially, you pay um, for the festival, so you get you know the various movies that are, that are there. So if you want to check those out, you're welcome to. But um, yeah, I mean, the, obviously, you know, you can see a Bogota trip this way. It's basically for the next couple of weeks. I think three weeks total, and you also get to vote. So you have quite a bit of time to you know, check out the movie. It's about an hour and a half, roughly. And yeah, when you finish it, hopefully you will vote for it and and all that. But, but yeah, it's a, another opportunity to see the movie, especially if you haven't yet seen it. You know, how many more will be left? I'm not sure. You know, we are working with the distributor to get it out there um, on platforms down the line. When exactly that will all be, is a great big mystery to me as much as it is to you. You know, it's just part of the process. So, you know, if if you're curious, it's not to say that you won't ever get a chance to see the movie, but, you know, if you're someone who is curious, you know, don't wait because I don't know when the next opportunity will be. Switching gears towards writing in terms of book writing, I received another chapter in the filmmaker how-to book from my ghostwriter. You know, so we're not we're we're on chapter three of eighteen, and so far, yeah, I you know it's it's coming along well. Um, there's definitely going to be a good amount of revisions. You know that that I'm going to have to not fact check, but kind of. Make sure everything's you know buttoned up in terms of of all the uh, of all the nitty gritty details. Uh, I'm definitely involving my editor Emily Kremholtz to you know help fix the grammar and stuff like that, um, and you know simplify sentences and so forth. But overall, what I like about my ghostwriter's writing style is there's a romanticism and elegance to it all, right? Because we're essentially writing about my experience of making this movie and this is for my first movie, which takes place in downtown Los Angeles and about people who are longing for love. And so, you know, that that style fits very well with the themes of what the movie is, right? And through this, you know, we're trying to chronicle my journey and inspire and and give you know the lessons to other filmmakers you know a big inspiration for me was always Robert Rodriguez's Rebel Without a Crew and I'm not trying to mimic that book but it certainly that was a jumping off point I'm going to do things a little bit differently like Rebel Without a Crew was purely you know like his journal entries Mine's, you know, obviously much more retrospective in that way, and and I'm going to stylize it where it has, you know, breakout boxes and so forth, with 
you know, hey, here's something that you can apply to yourself and stuff like that. And, and much like with Master Mental Fortitude, which is my first nonfiction book, um, my goal, you know, I was thinking about it. I was like, okay, you know, with Master Mental Fortitude, I, the way we formatted it was like, here's the lesson, which a lot of it, you know, was tying in my experience as well as various examples. Then you had um, applying it to yourself and then you had a creative exercise. So I think even with this one, at the end of each chapter, I will have like specifics of how all of this applies to you, you know, and that's part of, partly something that as I'm reading it, I'm like, I love where we're going with this book, but I want to make sure, you know, that we just, at the end of the day, like, let's just solidify, here's the key takeaways and how they apply to you. So that's something that I jotted down for myself as we continue through this process. So yeah, slowly but surely, we are moving forward with that. So looking forward to the process and being able to, you know, share the final result. It's going to be a little while, you know, uh, especially as an indie artist, any indie artist that just the nature of the game, like things just take longer because as you know, highlighted throughout all of this, you know, these are all the side stuff that I'm doing, but you know, the, the stuff that pays the bills, that's the primary stuff and that takes precedent over any of it. The last sort of thing that I want to talk about creatively is you know, having sort of breakthroughs on my second novel called In Search of Sunrise. So this is the thing that I was talking about that was intended as a movie. And it just serves, you know, for me right now, better as a book. And the reason for that is, yeah, there's just, you know, um, I can really be as grand as I want about it, as ambitious as I want, because you know, uh, I, the, the limit is just my imagination and what can I, what I can put to words, right? And the story itself deals a lot with artificial intelligence. And the biggest sort of thing has, that's kind of prevented me from really diving in, you know, part of it is I've been focusing on the arbiters, but that's also a cop out on my part, if I'm being honest, because, you know, it just scared the crap out of me that this, a lot, all, all, a large chunk of what this you know, story is about is artificial intelligence and virtual reality. And, you know, that's a big thing. How do you do it in a way that hasn't been done, right? Where so you're not derivative, what what new things can you say? And also now that like AI is is here, you know, and it's changing constantly, how do you do it in such a way where you get at the principles of the matter versus just, you know, writing something that, you know, is essentially, you know, here and gone tomorrow type of a thing, right? Where it no longer applies a year from now. You know, that's not what I'm trying to write. With my writing and obviously with any good stories in general, you want to write about the truth with a capital T, which is, you know, like even though like the more specific something is, the more universal it becomes, right? Like that's the sort of uh, weird dichotomy of storytelling. That's why, you know, something can be set in the 1400s and yet still remain timeless because, you know, it has those elements and that's what I'm trying to get to. How I go about that, you know, has been tough, right? Uh, this was something that, I did have a co-writer on, Jason Squamata. And, you know, um, when we finished up the script, we got it to a really good place. And, you know, we've been working on it for quite a while. And he just, um, you know, just life went in a different direction, especially during the, you know, like we were writing this during the pandemic, really. You know, like this was our pandemic project. And, you know, life just after a while took us in different directions. And so he no longer could, once I decided to make it a, a, a book, could no longer continue with the project. Um, and that's also part of it, you know, I don't know, like for me mentally, I do miss working with Jason 
because we were, I don't know, we just were such a great duo to come up with a lot of it. Um, so that, that's kind of been, been another reason why it's been kind of slow and with, with this project, but, but I'm getting into it. And, um, you know, now I've, I think I've found some breakthroughs where I'm going to go back to the original outline and kind of finesse things, um, in a, in a better way and then go back and, and write. You know, and the funny part is I'd gotten like five chapters done. <laughs> and so that's about like 15,000 words, give or take, um, maybe slightly more, maybe like 18,000, I, I forget. But yeah, so a lot of, not, not a lot of writing, but a, a good chunk of writing had been done. But I think I need to revisit that outline and strengthen it and then get back into, you know, like just seeing the macro of it all first bef before I get into the micro again. Especially since it's been quite a while since, you know, I've thought about that beyond just like a passing thought here and there. So, you know, and that's the, you know, here's kind of something that's been interesting for me to reflect upon. Um, in terms of my writing and my projects, you know, as I revisit old stuff, you know, obviously they're, pro they're the best I could do at any, any moment. You know, and I look at it, and I I don't know, I, I'd be curious to see, like, what other artists, you know, assign a percentage. But for me, like, overall, like, I'm 80% satisfied with the various things that I've done. Now, you know, some of it's interesting, like, even with my novel, let's say, you know, sure, maybe if I, like, reopened everything and, and dedicated, you know, the same mentality that I did when I wrote it, I'm sure I can, you know, elevate it and get, get it to a place that's better. But still, I think it will only end up being like 90%. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think as artists, we ever truly reach like 100% satisfaction with the work that we create. Um, which is interesting to note. But yeah, I'm, I'm wondering what would the percentages be for, you know, self-assigned obviously, but what would those percentages be for, for people, you know? Cause I'm, I'm even sure like the stuff we look at as masterpieces, right? Like the matrix, let's say, you know, one of the best movies regarded by many, many people. Obviously there are people who disagree, that's fine. But, you know, in that same way, I wonder what the Wachowskis, you know, like what's their satisfaction level with it? Because, you know, even just this weekend, I took out the Art of the Matrix book. Like, um, and that's not the title of it, but but it has artwork from the Matrix and, and it has, you know, the storyboard artists and the conceptual designers like Jeff Darrow and so forth talking about the process, right? And, you know, even as... Like, even just down to, like, um, the, the Wachowskis originally wanted to shoot the Matrix in Chicago. Obviously, they didn't because they shot in Sydney. And they wanted to have other elements of it, but due to budgetary restrictions, they kind of pared down stuff. So, you know, are they overall, like, you know, would they say they're 80% satisfied? Obviously, what they got is incredible, but, you know, in terms of what they intended, you know, what, what did they miss out on, right? So just kind of an interesting question to to pose to oneself, I guess. Something show-related, you know, um, that I was thinking to myself, and I'm saying this because I'm open to suggestions, but I think, you know, as I continue, and if there's ever future weeks that are truly, you know, just hectic and so forth, I thought I might just, you know, instead of doing lessons or vlogs or anything like that, just kind of do quick recommendations of books, movies, TV shows, podcasts that I think are worthwhile to check out that, you know, I've benefited from, that I've enjoyed, whatever the case may be. Um, that's just a simple way to, you know, keep putting stuff out there um, and having it be of benefit, but something that, you know, isn't as time intensive as, you know, say this, for example, right? But I'm open to other suggestions, you know. My goal is always to, you know, continue and 
be posting stuff. And it's not to say like, oh, I'm going to go on like months long hiatuses. No, that's not the case. But, you know, certainly just historically, there have been weeks here and there where just other stuff going on, right? That um, either take off completely or, you know, just kind of, yeah, you you know, have been a little bit inconsistent. I might just put out like one or two, but like, yeah, what what would be the alternative? I'm trying to think um, to, to still bring value. So let me know if you have suggestions. We'd be open to that. Um, now, before I dive into like the AI stuff that I've been learning, I do want to invite you to, to subscribe if you haven't already, that we get all the various lessons and episodes that I put out, regardless of when I put them out. And also, if you truly appreciate what I do and think you might benefit from more direct interaction, well, that's what my Patreon page is for, patreon.com slash philsvitek. It's $10 a month. It's the same price for everybody. Therefore, everyone gets the same thing. And, you know, there's uh, monthly coaching sessions as a group. Um, I show behind-the-scenes stuff. I I can, you know, do questionnaires and stuff like that. Um, So it's... It's, it's, it's a more direct way for us to interact beyond just the comment section. So I would encourage you to take advantage of that if that is something that you're interested in. I would love to see you over there. All right. So let's talk about uh, artificial intelligence and so forth. So, you know, overall... There's so much constantly happening in the world and, you know, it can, it can be overwhelming in many ways. And, you know, I see a lot of people get bogged down of like by the opportunities, right? And there's a, and there's a very good quote that I like to think about, you know, freedom isn't necessarily a choice. It's the ability to commit to a choice. That's not the exact quote. I'm paraphrasing. But that's pretty much it. And so when it comes to, you know, the tools for, for artists out there, you know, indie creators, content creators, whatever you want to call them, there's a lot, right? And, you know, for me, I try to be very deliberate with things of like, okay, well, let me dedicate time, you know, as consistently as I can um, to just learning what is out there and just exploring and fiddling with stuff and seeing, okay, how can this apply to me? Or, you know, what's just like, oh, this is cool, but it's not for me. And I can recommend somebody else who's doing something along those lines. And they could therefore be someone who's learning that. And then if anything, if I ever need to utilize that, I'm learning from them and then vice versa, right? So like, like that's kind of how I like to approach a lot of this stuff. And yeah, I mean, if nothing else, I like to know what is out there, but I'm very deliberate with like, okay, what applies to me and what doesn't? Like, that's always a big, big component. Or how can it apply to me? You know, and some of the stuff, it's like, okay, there's stuff that I can see applying to me. But, you know, like, even with the arbiters, there's stuff that definitely applies to me. And yet I'm not at that stage to utilize it. So it'll be down the line. But now at least I know about it, so that way I can have it, you know, it, you know, there for when I need it. Um, you know, it's in, it's in my brain space. But yeah, I mean, you know, and, and so I think that's as good as I can to not overwhelm myself. Because it is overwhelming. Like, AI is changing constantly, you know. So I want to learn about that. I want to learn about the Web3 space, you know. The podcast space is changing, right? That's my bread and butter in terms of, you know, how I make a living. Um, You know, even just like, it's been interesting to track the evolution of newsletters. And, you know, I'm probably like way late to the game, but like Substack, you know, a lot of people that were doing traditional newsletters are now switching to Substack. And, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Like many people that I know that have done that, they're like, wow, why, why haven't I done this sooner? That type of thing, right? So again, it's all about, you know, what applies to you and and at the same time, don't berate yourself just because you're quote unquote late to the party. Um, that's okay. You know, better late than never sort of a thing. But yeah, just, just, just keep, keep learning, you know, and, um, and part of it is, yeah, have, have friends as well that you can share information with. In fact, 
you know, just this past weekend, uh, I, I managed to get, you know, we've been playing this for a while, a, a good group of people together, um, you know, that I had not seen each other in a while, and it was a good, like, connecting event. I don't like the word networking, so it was a connecting event where we all shared, you know, what we were up to, where we could use some help, and so forth. It was just great to be able to uplift each other, share resources, um, make some connections where people can be you know, partners or they can recommend people for whatever, you know, like just actually create meaningful interactions that move everyone forward in a meaningful way. So, you know, I always try to be mindful of that. Um, so that's kind of the, the bulk of what I've got going on, you know, it's, uh, it's quite a lot, right? You know, um, it's, it's been a while since, since I've caught everybody up. Um, there's a few things that, um, that I still have to share. Um, but I think I'll save some of that for, for next week. Cause I think it'll be easier to, you know, now that I've unloaded basically, I think almost four weeks worth of stuff that you might've missed out on, you know, it'll more easily fit in with that without making this episode you know, longer than it needs to be. So anyway, thank you for taking the time to tune in uh, and hear what I've got going on and just kind of catching up with me. Hopefully you've learned something. I hope to you know, continue, continue sharing more as, as I progress in all of this. As always, comment down below with any thoughts, opinions, questions, all that good stuff, and hopefully I'll see you next time.